You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the modern frontier, and that is Oklahoma City. So please welcome my guest, uh, Lindsay Vadreen, who is the Senior VP of Destination Marketing at Visit OKC which, like you just said before we started recording, is a bit of a mouthful, but um, sounds like a pretty cool job when you think destination marketing. It is. I right? have to admit, it's a pretty fun gig. Yeah. And I'm sure when, and then the end part is at Oklahoma City and everyone's like, why would you want to go to Oklahoma City? Unless you live here and then you know why. Um, everyone listening probably knows that unless you're from Tulsa and you should leave Tulsa and come down here. But um, that's about as much as I'll say on Oklahoma City versus Tulsa, because I know there's a lot of people who are for and against. Well, I'm neutral. I love, there's a lot of things to love about Tulsa, a lot of things to love about Oklahoma City. I do love Tulsa. Great golf courses in Tulsa. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so and, and, you know, usual kind of format of the podcast, uh, as you've listened to some of your mutual, uh, mutual friends who've been on the podcast, um, you know, who you are, what you do, why you do it. Before we dive into the destination marketing side of things, tell me about you. Did you grow up here? I did, okay. yes. Born here, um, born in Oklahoma City, grew up between Oklahoma City and Edmond, uh-huh. um, and then uh, went to OU, and classic kind of boomerang story, uh, did a couple internships while I was in college, one in San Antonio, one in St. Louis, and uh, ended up getting a job at a big international PR agency in St. Louis right out of school, and so took me away. Um and, uh, but it just wasn't home. Lots of things I loved about St. Louis it was a great kind of moment in my life. So first uh-huh. career, bought my first house there, got married there, you know, all these, uh, wonderful kind of firsts you go through as an adult. And, um, <clears throat> but then, uh, ready to kind of move on and looking around and my husband, um, he's from Houston originally, we had met at OU and he was like, Hey, while you're looking, you know, look back in Oklahoma, he missed it and I missed it. And that's what brought us back here. We both yeah. got jobs and came back. So, so growing up in Edmond, obviously Edmond's a lot different probably to what it was when you grew up, right? Yes. Um, yeah. For the better, it's great. There's a lot of cool things happening and some great developments coming and the new, the lock is coming and, you know, Matthew Myers is doing some epic things up there as well as great restaurants and um, Citizens Bank is awesome up there too. That's where I bank. Uh, I love going up there. <laughs> um, 
And round midnight. Have you been to round midnight jazz bar yet? Good spot. Uh, another friend, Noah, who's doing some jazz things there and not a huge jazz fan myself, but when you listen to it in the right setting, it sounds, music fits the room. Um, what did you want to do when you grew up? Like, what, what did you, what kind of drew you to OU? So I originally was on a totally different path of okay. environmental science. And I had a, a couple of classes and a teacher in high school. I went to Edmund Memorial for high school and uh, really just fell in love with science and environmental science in particular. Um, went to OU and decided very quickly, it was part of the engineering program there mm. at the time. Um, and I uh, did not want to be an engineer. <laughs> too much math, too much structure. Um, and so it was just kind of taking some electives to figure out what's next. I've always loved to write. And yeah. I took um, an intro to mass comm class and just was like, this is so easy. These are all you know things that come naturally to me. Um, and so switched over to the journalism and PR path um, and uh, still minored in environmental science, but um, really just kind of fell in love with uh, storytelling yeah. and PR and journalism. And uh, my internships were on the PR side, but I was working for environmental clients um, and healthcare clients. So I kind of got to use that science background and that love, but yeah. really more through marketing and simplifying these really complex um, issues and, um, you know, trying to simplify communications for healthcare brands, environmental issues, that kind yeah. of stuff. So why the science early on? Um, I think it was just part of, you know, I, I'm naturally very curious and mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different parts of science that kind of feed that. Um, I love being outdoors and so there's a whole part of biology and nature mm -hmm. and, and the love of outdoors that ties in with that. Um, and so, I mean, I have a grandmother that was uh, a science teacher and then okay. a principal and um, she would do uh, science experiments with us when she kept us over the summer, you know, so it kind of just came from a lot of different places, I yeah. think. That's really cool. It's a lot of people probably listen to environmental science and think tree hugger straight away, right? Sure, Which is yeah. the total, you know, not what you're doing, but talking about your, you know, your grandmother, like that, now it makes total sense, right? When you think about it. Um, do you, do you read a lot when you're a kid? I did. I read okay. a lot. I wrote a lot. So yeah. I would write poetry. I would write, um, you know, fake little plays and stories and, um, so yeah, kind of just a lot of different, um, mm -hmm. experiences that, Fed, fed me inspirationally, I yeah. guess. Brothers and sisters growing up? Yeah, I'm the middle of two sisters. Okay. So um, grew up with, <laughs> right? yeah, grew up with a house full of women. So uh, my stepdad definitely had to deal with all of that. Yeah. Um, and then now, ironically, we all have boys. So now we're dealing with all boy uh, issues. And I live with all boys. And um, they're stinky and hormonal in very different ways. So... How old are your kids? I just have one, um, a 14-year-old boy is going, to, going into high school. Okay. So, and, and even our dog uh, oh, is yeah. a boy, so I'm just surrounded. We're big dog people, so we don't have kids yet, but I do have two dogs, so they're just the greatest things in them. And now I picked them up from the groomers this morning or this afternoon, and they have got their summer cut, so we have two golden doodles, and oh. if anybody knows golden doodles, once they get their summer cut, they're two different dogs. <laughs> so I picked them up, I'm like, what have you done with my dog? You know, it's just like fluffy tail and fluffy ears, and the rest is just kind of very poodle. Um, but they got to feel so much better on a hot day. Oh, I'm sure they feel great, yeah, but aesthetically, they, they look a bit, yeah. It's, but we haven't spray-painted our dogs like some people, so... That's a whole thing, which I refuse to do. My dogs are not fashion statements. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what we, dog have, do you have? we have a little uh, terrier mix okay. uh, named Kevin McAllister. Um, and he is from a rescue Home from Home Alone. Okay. Yeah. So when we got him a few years ago, my son was obsessed with Home Alone. Brilliant. Um, and so that's where we got his name. And, yeah. yeah. Those are the best Home Alones, right? Yes. Oh, the, for sure. The, those are three and four would not. I think it was. They just kept making them and they yeah. should have stopped. Mm -hmm. They should have stopped. Yeah, definitely. So you go to OU. Was OU kind of the only choice? Um, originally, I was looking at Michigan State okay. um, because I had gone there for um, an environmental competition, actually, in high school. And um, so got introduced to that campus. Also looked down at Texas a and at Galveston. They have mm -hmm. a great um, like marine biology program. And so, um, but ultimately, was going to start out at OU and kind of see where sure. it went. Um, and since I ended up changing my major, probably a good decision. Uh -huh. uh, I had an older older sister that was already there. She was two years ahead of me in school, so uh, that helped. You yeah. know, have a, some built-in community already. 
Um, and it was far away. It felt like it was far away from home. It had a little bit of independence, but still that safety net. Yeah, so. yeah. So, you know, as a, you're kind of reading and writing a lot as a hobby and you're doing environmental science. When does the shift come that you think, you know what, I want to go into this, this amazing thing called PR and agencies and this wonderful world of, you know, writing and building businesses and brands? So it really, I kind of fell into it. Yeah. Um, so I took that one uh, intro to mass comm class and then that led to ultimately changing my major and, and writing and finding journalism. And then um, really through my internships, I had an uncle that worked for a big PR agency. And so that kind of opened a door uh, to explore something and, and figure out, you know, is this something that interests me long-term? Um, agency life isn't for everyone. So it's kind of one of those, you try it and sometimes learning that it's not for you is just as valuable. But um, I loved the pace. I loved the um, variety of experience by not being in-house, by being on an agency side. Um, so that's kind of what started it. And then having those internships, going into a full-time job, mm -hmm. um, I graduated in early 2000s is a really, you know, hard time as a creative to uh, find a job. A lot of people in my generation really had to seek out bigger markets. We didn't have the agency creative yeah. community that we have right now in Oklahoma City. Um, and so that was the other kind of thing. Everybody was leaving to go to Dallas or these other bigger markets and um, find those creative agency jobs, whether it's advertising, graphic design, whatever. And I love that now that's really changed and people are uh, intentionally have started agencies and built wonderful brand and, and advertising agencies here and the marketing community is just thriving. And yeah. um, so I love that just still being in that community and, and having so many wonderful peers. Yeah. And no doubt helped you when you wanted to come back too. For right. sure. And, and really when I went, I was, uh, when I first started, I was very traditional PR yeah. um, and, you know, social media didn't exist then. Right. I'm dating myself a bit, but um, agency life was very siloed. So you had advertising agencies, you had web agencies, you had PR agencies, um, and now it's very integrated. Yeah. And so when I moved back, I um, took a job in-house uh, a communications position with the state tourism office. And that's really when I was introduced to integrated marketing and really wearing all the hats and figuring out how to speak um, you know, with graphic designers and print jobs and ad rates and uh, what's the difference in gross and net, you know, ad buying, all these different things mm -hmm. that I really had, didn't know before because I was so traditionally PR. So that really challenged me in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. And that also introduced me to the tourism community and, and industry. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it was fun. It wasn't as a marketer, you want to like you're selling a product, but you want to believe in it. It makes your job easier and makes your soul happy. And selling the state of Oklahoma was easy because I loved it and I loved exploring it. Yeah, it's um, you're right. It makes it a lot easier, right? When you just like oh, this is home, you know. I get, For and sure. then you also learn so much more about your home state, right? Kind of the same with me with the podcast, you know, and interviewing people like yourself. Like I get to learn so much more about the state that I live in now. And there's so many corners of the state that you're like, why have we not been here yet? You know, and like eat, you, you know, t go back to your environmental ties and natural full state park, and obviously mm -hmm. Broken Bow area is kind of you know the new place, and you know you go to Black Mesa and all those places. Like there's, we have so much stuff here. It's you know, and all the ecosystems, and we have seven, I think, right in the state, which is kind of unheard of for most states. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, it seems like a perfect place for you, obviously. It is. I think in being in Oklahoma City, it's an easy drive to to experience all those different like ecosystems. And so I think that's really uh, something I love about being just in the central part of the state. And, um, you know, we're so close to go to Wichita Mountains. You can go up to Natural Falls, um, you know, dig for crystals. I mean, you can do it, it all in just a couple of hours. And um, so I love, you know, my family, we love exploring and doing weekend trips and uh, road trips and all that kind of stuff. And really, I mean, whether it's a city like Oklahoma City or a small town, I mean, there's something really cool and special about all these places and the people. I mean, that yeah. really make it. How, other than like the size, how is the state tourism board different to what you do at Visit Oklahoma City? So uh, a couple of different ways. So they, uh, when I was there, uh, we had, so it's part state parks are part of it. And okay. you have just the leisure marketing side. Um, film and music was off, was part of it as well. Um, so you're kind of marketing to a couple different types of travelers. At Oklahoma City, we also have uh, sports tourism. So folks that are coming in for Women's College World Series, youth sports, uh, horse shows. We also have meetings and conventions here. That's not something we really did at the state level. Um, it's really more of a city um, 
focused. So we're uh, working with meeting planners to bring meetings and conventions here to use our facilities and our hotels and experience the destination. So that was a new side that I hadn't um, had as much depth in before when I was at the state level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't have the state park side. So we have city parks and those kinds of things. But uh, so there's, there's definitely overlap um, from a leisure perspective, but then there's differences too. Talking about convention center stuff, did we like, do we meet at the Omni last year to do the Porsche thing? Oh, uh, it was people from our team, but it wasn't you and I. Okay, because I, I, I remember someone from Visit Oklahoma City, and I was taking photos. Of, I was working for the dealership at the time, and okay. I can't. It was someone probably from the Katie. Team. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I just like <laughs> in my head, I'm like, maybe we've met before. Okay. Um, no, which has just been announced. So that's coming next year, right? Yeah, the so huge our, Porsche our team worked to pull that proposal together so, and, so and win the business. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Are you a car guy? Oh, such a car okay. guy. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm very excited. My goal is to have my own by that point. Okay. Um, my own Porsche by June next year, July next year, right? Because it was just announced. Um, but yeah, that's going to be incredible. And and there is a huge Porsche community in Oklahoma City. So I know there's a lot of people that are excited. There is. You know, the car community here is really interesting. I, um, my... Both my husband and son are very big car guys, but I'm also on, I participate in the board with Adventure District and like Cars and Coffee is mm-hmm. moving over to uh, now meet up at yeah. uh, the parking lots by Remington Park. And just, I love the diversity there that you see mm-hmm. and the accessibility of uh, just so, so many different types of um, kind of subcultures of the car community. Um, it's really fun. Yeah, it's very underrated here and um, I love being a part of it. I love going to the Saturday shows and, even kind of on a broader scale as a friend a friend who's been on the podcast started last year uh, he calls it cruising oklahoma and it's the first sun last sunday of every month in the summer basically um that we go for a cruise somewhere in oklahoma and you know he sends you the google coordinates everyone meets somewhere okay. in the state and then we drive for a couple hundred miles and then you have a de- destination and you've got to drive to where you are to get to the starting point but he's grown it to you know hundreds of cars like it's it we took a trip from yukon to hennessy last year and the te- and it really helps you always pick small towns so like we have an economic impact in the small towns mm-hmm. and hennessy the town of hennessy was so kind of happy with the turnout that they they about a month ago they went back for the second year and they shut all the roads down they had helicopter rides they had like i mean they had this huge the entire town was on you know had this huge activation so that might be one thing your your husband's probably heard about it if he's into the local car scene but yeah just it would just kind of like put together like the love of tourism in oklahoma with people wanting to drive cars and it was doesn't matter what car you have yeah there's your fancy you know hundreds of thousands of dollars supercars but there's also just a family of four in whatever car they're driving going to see part of the state they've never been to absolutely but yeah it's all the, the the diversity in it, not just the diversity of cars, but people as well. It's um, oh, it's something I'd love to do, and I could talk about it forever. Uh, <laughs> but people have probably heard that on this podcast. So I find that car guys about? tend to be able to talk about it for a yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, you you know, you kind of find someone, right? Or you're out like at a restaurant, or you're out at a wedding, or something, and you find the other car guy, and you're like, okay, I found someone. <laughs> here's can, my people. Yeah, here's my people. <laughs> they are brilliant. So. You came back, you went to work for the state tourism office um, from St. Louis. How different then, you know, you mentioned it was kind of totally different to traditional PR that you were doing in St. Louis, kind of learning all the stuff, but also, you know, you mentioned social media, like the, the rise and differences in social media while you're at the state office as well. Yeah. And I guess navigating, you know, it's different if you're working for a business that can, you know, probably isn't in the limelight as much. Where you know if you make a mistake, you can delete a post, bring it down, and no one really sees it. But with the state, everyone kind of sees it, right? We have a so, lot of stakeholders we answer yeah, to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So how was that experience? So I came back in 2006. So I'm literally I have the job of convincing the executive director at the time that Facebook is necessary, yeah. and you know, and and it was a risk, right? Like yeah. it's people can post whatever they want. Um, they can post a bad experience. Like how do we manage that in a way that, um, is transparent, but also, um, is moderated somehow or has some, you know, it felt a little bit like the wild west. And so, um, but as a marketer, I knew the potential, um, even though it wasn't, you know, I wasn't one that had grown up with social media. Mm-hmm. 
So we very much were figuring it out. And so luckily, uh, he was open-minded and we, you know, took the leap and started uh, our, the Travel OK Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter pages and um, Foursquare at the time. If, if anyone remembers yeah. Foursquare, I'm really dating myself now. But um, so those were kind of the first steps. And then, um, you know, obviously it's evolved from there and grown leaps and bounds since I've been there. But um so yeah, I think part of it was just what's tried and true. You know, we still had traditional publications, travel guides, traditional advertising, but then there was also room to evolve. And marketing was certainly having um, a big digital evolution during that period. Um, but that was different than what I had learned in college, right? So it wasn't, all these mediums didn't exist when I was in yeah. college. So now you go to the journalism school at OU and there, you know, our classes on digital media and production and all these things that just didn't even exist. And so we really just had to learn as we went and figure it out and um, figure out the algorithms and the strategy. But ultimately at the, at the core, it's still storytelling. Yeah. Um, it may sound a little different, formal versus informal or visuals or whatever, but um, at the core, it's, there a lot of the same principles apply. And I think when you bring it back to, you know, great storytelling and engaging content, like that's, that's ultimately what it's about, no matter what the medium is. Yeah. And the Oklahoma tourism page on Facebook now has 426,000 followers. So <laughs> I mean, I'd love to take decision. credit for all that, but, but, it's gotta start somewhere, <laughs> but it you know? has to start and it was, it was fun. You know, we were, uh, we were so like innovative in blogging and all of these things that were new at the time. And now it just seems funny to think about that, but um, yeah, we created a blog for the state and again, just trying to explore all these wonderful stories. There's just no end to the angles and the stories of, of experiences here. Um, and so no shortage of content for sure. That's the good thing about it, right? Is that like, there's so many, and that's the thing I love about, you know, what I do as well. Like I'm never going to run out of guests and stories. And it's the same with you. You just, you know, and I I know, I think Travel OK did a, did a series, maybe it's the summer series. I'm trying to find it on YouTube right now. It was, they were just did a bunch of like destination road trips Mm -hmm. around the state. And I saw that, I'm like, this is amazing. And it was very well done. And I'm sure it cost a lot of money. But it's gone somewhere and I haven't seen it since, which is probably a budget thing because that's just not cheap. However, it looked fantastic. Um, I remember seeing it, I'm like, you know, I would watch this. I need to do more of that. But then the struggle is, okay, who is actually watching it? And is it worth the investment? And it's tough to get, it's tough to measure the return on investment with social media, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's probably the hardest thing for you to try and convince, you know, whoever it is that's, talking about you, about your budget, that this is worth it and people are watching it. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, I think there's an awareness piece that is valuable but hard to measure. I think um, video is so compelling for us because we can open people's eyes to something unexpected. Um, A lot of people it's not that we're necessarily coming from this overly negative place. They just, they haven't been here to experience it themselves. And so video helps us say like, oh, look at this cool restaurant or look at this wonderful park or whatever the thing is and really show it to them firsthand and hopefully break down some of those barriers and misconceptions. So it's really powerful, but the value isn't always measured in, you know, likes and impressions and, you know, those are important and you've got to pay attention to what's engaging, but there's beyond, there's value beyond that too. Yeah. So moving into, I guess, the Visit Oklahoma City side of things, how did the position come up and, and what was that, that process of, of that and, and you thinking, you know, maybe I should go work for Oklahoma City instead of the state? Yeah. So I worked uh, at State Tourism for five years and it was a really wonderful era. It was, you know, 20, uh, 2007 was our state centennial. So yeah. a lot of amazing programming and focus around uh, of that and as a marketer, you know, um, just an exciting time to be telling the state story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked a lot with cities without, you know, throughout the, yeah. the state. And um, so that's when I really engaged a lot with the Visit OKC team. Um, but then I left the tourism industry and got recruited away by a, another agency. And so went and did uh, the integrated marketing thing again for about seven and a half years. And then got a call from our um, Visit OKC president at the time, and he was kind of restructuring some things within our team. And um, I think looking for that strategic marketing, integrated marketing perspective. And, you know, it's always that, hey, let's go have lunch and yeah. catch up. And um, How is your job? How are you yeah, doing? Are you happy? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, he's a guy I respected a lot right. and uh, had worked with very closely over those five years. And um, so you, of course, go to lunch and, sure. and, you know, see where it goes from there. So uh, 
Fast forward, came back in January of uh, 2019 to visit OKC, and, and a lot like coming home in many ways. You know, I knew the leadership. I knew several department heads. Um, it was a wonderful time to be in Oklahoma City. There's so much going on. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I would still lived here and kept up with, with all that was going, even though I hadn't been directly in, uh, in-house at Tourism anymore. But I had a couple clients that were attractions and kind of in this industry still. Um, so it was easy, yes, and yeah. um, haven't looked back since. Yeah, and then so that was the destination marketing role, or was that a different role? Yeah, so okay. uh, I was a VP of, of destination marketing and really building out the team uh, again to be more. Um, you know, we have communication side and a marketing side, but yeah. really operate kind of like a little in-house agency. And um, at the time, we were just about to open Scissors Hill Park right. and the new convention center and the Omni and the streetcar. All those things were kind of uh, just coming online. Um, and so we, that was putting us in a whole new peer set when it came to being a convention destination city. And so really looking at our um, ad campaigns and our brand and saying, okay, we, have, we haven't even been on the radar of some of these meeting planners because we couldn't host them before, and now we can. And so how do we get on their radar um, and really tell Oklahoma City story in a unified way? Uh, and that's what ultimately led to our brand campaign and the Modern Frontier research and all sure. of that that we did. Yeah. Was the Cisintel Park opening the Kings of the Young concert? was that that was mm-hmm. it it was that yeah it was fall of 19 yeah. mm-hmm. I was flying back from somewhere and I got back into town at like noon on that day and I was like I really should go because <laughs> Kings of Leon are great seen them thank fortunately been fortunate enough to see them twice I was like that'd be amazing I remember driving I think I was driving down the highway and I was like I should pull over and just get involved. I was like, no, I need to go home and fall asleep because I've been up for 25 <laughs> hours. And I instantly regretted it the next day. I was like, oh, I should have gone. Um, but you mentioned the streetcar there as well. Um, mm-hmm. That was like such a huge, you know, thing. Sorry. Is that me or you? <laughs> You're good. Uh, such a huge kind of decision, right? Because it's not just this is going to bring people to it. It's like, wow, the infrastructure. And now it's continuing. And all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that like, there's so much to go into it, not just writing and talking and telling stories like that is a really big decision so is there anything that stands out from just being involved in that stuff well I think you know for us it's about uh, we sell the city and like all the venues in this package right so it's not just about the cool venue or the cool hotel or the number of hotel rooms you need but it's also about connectivity so uh, we're about you know how do we move people around the streetcar helps us spread that around and get them to different districts helps us connect to Bricktown Um, so I think you know, some of that has been in place for decades, right? I mean, I think it's not a it's not a quick thing that you just decide you're going to do and then you build it, right? It was part of a whole map slate and really a visionary um, set of projects that work together. Um, and we're do, we're seeing that now with Maps Four as well. I mean, there's already the new Coliseum at the fairgrounds, uh, the multi multi purpose arena. I mean, these are are things that our team is already selling um, for event planners that that are planning events the next two to 10 years. Um, And I think that's what, you know, locals don't always understand is yes, these are for, for uh, quality of life and locals use them, but there's also a whole other set of folks Mm -hmm. that can use them and benefit from them and bring a ton of money to our city uh, while they're doing it. So um, it has value for both locals and visitors. Are you a foodie? I am. um, Yes. Yeah. That's one thing. I mean, I always talk about food on this podcast because I just, I can't stop thinking about food. It's great. <laughs> and we're just, we're just how lucky we are to have so many great local restaurant tours. I think it's the right word for it. Um, that want to invest in open businesses, right? And mm-hmm. the restaurant groups that are constantly trying new things. You know, you think of, um, you know, social order, dining, mm-hmm. is that right? So, yeah. Um, and then you've got, you know, Rachel Age for Hospitality and you've got um, Good Egg Dining Group and, and, you know, multiple others that... Like we are so spoiled for choice, and and when people come to the city, you know, and they say, "Where, where should we go eat?" And I'm like, for the first time, I think in many in a long time, I just I asked, like, well, "What do you like?" Right? It's a hard question to answer. You know, because yeah. then they, then you have some idea. Otherwise, that you're just kind of like, "Well, um, you know, what price point do you want?" Or whatever the question is, because we're spoiled for choice, and and you know, there's been some great businesses that have opened up with food and they have great food and they have great drinks and they actually have a great atmosphere which is very hard to pull off all three but uh, we are spoiled with it 
you get to kind of invite people in here all the time, right? And build packages or build mm -hmm. say, recommendations of where you should go. How much fun is that? Uh, I mean, it's pretty fun. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the interesting thing too, I think not only are we spoiled, but I think we take it for granted a little bit I that, think we do. especially yeah. post COVID, I mean, I go to other cities and, you know, the local places didn't survive like ours did. And I think a lot of that's because we were intentional locally about supporting them. Um, and we, we have a thriving scene here that we want to maintain. Um, so that part's exciting that, you know, we just didn't have all these place shutter, places shutter over COVID and not come back. Um, and then I think a lot of the chefs are, challenge each other, right? And I think that creates a culture too uh, that continues to elevate our, our foodie scene. Um, and then you also have like Chef Andrew Black, um, you know, he obviously just won the James Beard Award and um, has all this national attention, but then he's such a gracious ambassador. If we're picking up the phone and saying, hey, I have this uh, travel writer in town, or I have this group of influencers who want to swing by and experience your place. And, you know, it's it's not just, hey, I'm going to set them a table. It's, right. I want to meet with them. I want to share my story. I want to share my Oklahoma City yeah. experience. And that's the part that makes a difference. And again, it's that connection. It's that willingness to, um, you know, he, nobody's probably busier than he is right now, but he, it doesn't make you feel that way. Yeah. And uh, that's really what I think makes our... Um, makes our difference and, uh, and it's special. And I see that every single day. Um, and it's just the Oklahoma city way and the Oklahoma way. Um, but I think we definitely take it for granted cause we just assume that's how people are and it's really not, it's yeah. special. Yeah. And you kind of parlay that into, you know, the state, right? Like where are you staying? The hotel experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do you want to stay in the middle of downtown? Do you want to stay a little bit further out? Do you want an Airbnb? You know, like, I'm sure the research days for you guys like the best days of the week, right? You're like, okay, if we were to come to Oklahoma City for a weekend, what would we do? And you just kind of go researching. I'm sure there's a lot of fun doing that. But at the same time, like, you know, obviously the national is kind of like the center of everything at the moment. Mm -hmm. right? Kind of with that being done and how incredible that is and the restaurants that are around it too. Um, you know, it, it gets a lot of attention, but for good reason. So I'm sure that's kind of like an easy sell to a lot of people that are coming into town because everything's around them at that point as well. Yeah, right. I mean, it's all about the details that make the memory, uh, um, the memorable experiences. And um, But I think it's not, you know, we have a, a lot of examples of that in downtown Oklahoma City, Bricktown, but we also have, um, you know, Bradford House is another great example where um, it's not in the central, you know, part of downtown, but uh, it is wonderful and has such a uniqueness to it and attention to detail, both food and beverage and as a hotel stay. Um, they do events there. I mean, so many wonderful things. And so I think that's, again, it's all about what, what do you want to experience? What are you looking for? Um, do you have kids with you and you want a swimming pool or is it a date night? You know, it really can run the gamut. Yeah. And um, But luckily we have all those things and more. Um, I think with our districts too, it's another great, uh, slice of, of Oklahoma City that stands out. Um, you know, whether you're going to Paseo or Plaza or Adventure District, I mean, all of them have a different experience, different vibe, uh, different personality to it. And so, and, and just like us, right? Like we're not always wanting the same thing all the time and we're going to be in a different mood for something else. And we, we can go to those districts and have those experiences. And uh, if we're hosting different people, we may take them to different places uh, because of what we know they'll love. Um, so that's the other thing. We're not just one thing, and I yeah. love that. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, there's so many things that you could do here, and it's just uh, a matter of time to, have, you know, you need the time to do all of them because there is so much. And, you know, you go out as far as the river sports stuff that goes mm -hmm. as far as, you know, Lake Oberholzer and, you know, the, the, the kayaking and canoeing you've got out there with, um, you know, up into the wildlife area, Stinchcombe Wildlife Area, and that, you know, it's like or you go and ride bikes or, you know, you mentioned adventure district or you go to the zoo. Like there's, I mean, it, it's, it helps, you know, when you have all that stuff, because, you know, when you, when you're bringing in people, and I know we'll talk about it in a little bit, you're, you bring in people all the time when you host people here and, and especially writers and bloggers and influencers and, you know, to draw attention to Oklahoma city. And it's clearly working because the city has been growing and growing and growing. And whether that's, you know, you guys working closely with the state chamber and figuring that out and, or, the state chamber and the Oklahoma City chamber as well to bring businesses in. But at the end of the day, if you're bringing businesses in, they got to live here and they got to love living here. 
you know, and that's that's the exciting part for you is just, you know, you're selling Oklahoma City on, you know, to these people, but when it's as nice as it is and our food's as good as it is and the people are as great as it is, it's not a really hard sell. Right? It's not. It's just it is, getting them here. Yeah, I mean, it, that's it. I mean, it doesn't feel like sales at all, right? It's, it's just um, lifting up the experiences here and the people and uh, similar to what you do. I mean, so much of it storytelling through the people. Um, we were... Uh, working on our new ad campaign and we knew we wanted to use, we were using a local crew, all local talent. Um, and we were looking for voiceovers that were more like spoken word, uh, performers, singers. And so we weren't looking for like voiceover talent, you know, from an agency perspective. And so we were, um, kind of meeting these different, uh, spoken word performers and, um, ended up picking four uh, that ended up being the voiceover for our commercials. But through getting to know them in that process, it was like, oh my gosh, they individually are such wonderful, creative contributors to our city. Like, let's tell their stories. And so then that, we kind of went down that rabbit hole and partnered with Prairie Surf Studios and did these little vignette videos on each of the four of them and the different organizations they're a part of and and what they love about the city. And none of that was planned, it was scripted, and it was so organic and wonderful. But there's that's the kind of experience that just happens by um, digging into who we are. Um, And they all had different reasons for why they, they choose to be here um, what they love about the city, the areas they love the city. Um, but they all were very driven by giving back and being ambassadors for this place. Uh, and then, so I think that pride, um, it's just, you can't, uh, you can't get that everywhere and you can't teach it. It has to just be authentic. And, um, so it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Yeah. What's it been like? I mean, you know, so you mentioned before we started recording, um, you know, you're, you're hosting 36 right travel writers yes. soon. Um, so you know, yeah. a lot of in planning two weeks, for that. Say a prayer. Yeah. A lot of planning yeah. for that. And <laughs> by bringing them in from all over the country and you know, what, what goes into hosting a bunch of travel writers and, and why, is, why are we doing that? Yeah. So we, um, just annually we host, uh, around 25 to 30 different writers and, and influencer content creators, um, a year, but this group in particular, um, is called the society of American travel writers. And so we're hosting, uh, one of their chapter conferences. And so they come in, they're gonna be here for three days. Um, and really it's a big, uh, site visit for us to take them to different tours of our attractions. They're staying in a couple of our hotels. Um, we're doing a dine around one night where they got to pick from three different restaurants. Um, and so really it's just a big, uh, field trip for them to show off all we have to do. And the outcome is that we hope they'll go back and, and pitch these as uh, story ideas to all the different yeah. national publications that they write for. Uh, so uh, we expect a lot of great media coverage to come from it, but really it's also relationship building. Um, we find that when we host these writers, it's not always just like a one story assignment. Um, a lot of them are freelancers for multiple publications. They can really stretch these experiences into different kinds of yeah. stories, which only benefit us, right? right. Um, to help us tell that story nationally. So uh, it's a ton of work, I will say. Um, my team's been wonderful to just put all the details together and they can be kind of high maintenance because they're used to being wined and dined and rolling out the red carpet. And so with that comes expectations. Um, but we're up to the challenge. And I think so many of them uh, will either have not been here before yeah. or haven't been here in 10 or 15 years. And as we know, yeah. so much has changed. So it's going to be an exciting time, I think, just to see their reaction to this place. And uh, hopefully they'll leave really inspired with mm-hmm. all, you know, all the story ideas that they're going to walk away with. Yeah. Are they kind of all across different age ranges? Are they kind of... A- yeah, they're um, all, you know, some are uh, late 20s all the way up to 60s. They were kind of retired and became travel writers. Some are uh, photographers. So uh, they're, you know, Nat Geo level photographers. Wow. So really compelling, um, compelling writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, it's going to be awesome. I'm sure, like you said, the team has been hard at work. It's a ton of work, but it'll be totally worth it because of the amount of stories and, you know, feedback and, and exposure you get from that. Like, it makes so much sense to do that over bringing local people in because uh, like my audience is major- majority of my audience is like Oklahoma City, Edmond, Tulsa. Um, so it would make zero sense for, you, for that investment and you guys to do that for me because I live here, right? right? But it makes total sense to bring someone in from, you know, Denver or wherever to see Oklahoma City and 
you know, Oklahoma City is slowly climbing on, on the list of places where people want to go for the weekend, but it is not, you know, at the top of the list like a LA, you know, or San Diego or where, you know, the, the Vegas or whatever, the places that people want to go on a, you know, stay in the country and go on vacation to. And, you know, I think that's, that's the goal, right? Is to bring people in and bring dollars in and, you know, by creating, by having a new convention center, you know, I'm sure that brings in tons of business and, and the size of it. And, you know, you got the film studios and the thunder and, you know, the ballpark and having the Savannah bananas come here. And like <laughs> yes. I was down, I was in Bricktown when that happened. I'm I was like, insane. Where are all these people coming from? You know, yeah. Why are they all in yellow uh, when they open the gates to let everybody out? But, you know, it, all of those things, there's so many, you know, there, there we don't have, like, it, there's one thing, you know, if you come here, even if you love golf, right? Like I, I, I travel quite a bit and I play a lot of golf and you can come here and play great golf courses. Like there's not many areas where we don't lack we, we lack doing things at football, soccer, whatever it is, basketball, the Thunder. Like, you can pretty much like make Find it make it, someone's yeah. weekend, right? By all that, and then you you know the cuisine's great, the music's great, and yeah, it's. And I think that's that's there's always something that's a draw, right? Yeah. So whether you're here because your kid has a soccer tournament, but then you have a, a free evening to fi- figure out where you're going to eat, or. Um, you're coming to do, you know, whitewater rafting at Riversport. Like, there's lots of different reasons people have a draw to come here. And uh, but while they're here, whether even if it's for a convention, there's usually a few hours of downtime or a window that we can show them something else, get them outside the convention center, even if it's just walking through Sister Tail Park yeah. or um, popping over to Bricktown and doing a water taxi ride. So I think that's where, um, you know, we usually find the entry point and then it's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm going to bring my family back. And then visitors, you know, can turn into locals, right? Mm-hmm. So you have these stories of folks that like, oh, I came because of X, Y, Z, but then they ultimately end up moving here. Yeah. Um, so it, it feeds a lot of different things about our city. You know, there's not just the visitor, the economic impact, right. but there are longer term implications um, that benefit us too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, recently, right, you got the softball here, you know, that mm-hmm. brings in a lot of people and a lot of exposure for Oklahoma City. And, you know, I'm sure if you probably spoke to some one of the softball coaches that's been coming here for the last 10 years, so, you know, they've seen a huge change and they might even come back, right? And thanks to Coach Gasso, softball is a yeah. pretty big deal here. Um, well, and even for those, the, you know, women coming to play for the team, you know, the 40 yeah. players or whatever that come um, with each team, this is a moment in time for them that they've been working for, for their lives. And, you know, literally when the season starts, it's the road to Oklahoma city yeah. is how it's marketed. And that, you know, it builds over the whole season and this is a moment in time they will never forget. So while they're here, even though it's, you know, competition and they're very focused, they are um, shown around the city. We, you know, give them welcome gifts. Like it's all about, again, that little detailed touch um, to make them have a wonderful experience here. Yeah. Do you have, you know, cause you're kind of, ears to the ground and eyes are always open for for new businesses and and activations and stuff like that around the city do you have any that right now that are like super underrated that some people know about but not everyone knows about it and when they do it's going to be you know kind of gangbusters oh gosh um i think uh i mean i again i kind of go back to our districts like they're on a different development spectrum, I think, depending on what area you're talking about. But I mean, you have like Paseo that, um, the, the food scene there has really been thriving. And then you have like Chisholm Creek, which is still has a ton of stuff to do, but it's still adding to it all the time. The half is another one that we've had some recent, um, cool announcements come out. So um, yeah, the go-kart track. Going yeah. The Andretti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's all at various stages. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know that one necessarily comes to mind. Um, you have the Oak, which is uh, the development over by Penn square mall, mm-hmm. which will be mixed use. And I think that's, what's interesting too. It's like, you're seeing a lot of this mixed use development between residential, uh, food and beverage, a hotel component. So it's not just one thing anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think I love that about it too. Yeah, it's um, that that go kart track's gonna be great. <laughs> it is gonna be great. <laughs> Super pumped about that. <laughs> well, and also kind of like the the just we still I think we still have the mentality of like we're underdogs, we kind of underrated ourselves, and have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, and that gives us that like mentality of you know I'm gonna show you we're gonna go out and do it and absolutely and, and, you know, come to Oklahoma City and we'll show you what it is that we're made of and how great this place is. Yeah, and then there's a lot of like, why not? Why not yeah. us? Why not here? Um, and that's 
definitely in the fabric of who we are. Um, there's a resiliency there. Um, and I, I think that's what's exciting too about ultimately why I came back to Oklahoma City, right? Like I knew I could, it was big enough to have opportunity, but small enough where I felt like I could really be a difference maker and a change maker. And, um, and I think that's still in the fabric of who we are too and why you're seeing young professionals stick around and grow here mm-hmm. and because they know they have they can have a seat at the table um, and you can't do that everywhere. Yeah. Other than to what you just said, other than the people, um, what do you think is Oklahoma City's best asset? Oh, of course I had to say the people. You yeah, that exactly. that's me. why I took it away from um, you because it's a go-to. <laughs> I think um, I love that we're not just one thing and I think that's a a challenge as a marketer to articulate that because there's a lot of destinations that are known for one thing, right? You have Austin and Nashville that are kind of music cities. You've got even St. Louis, like the gateway to the West and the gateway arch. Like you have these very obvious one things for Oklahoma city. We don't have just one thing. And so I think it's hard because how do you concisely articulate like that in a nice, you know, billboard or ad copy, but then the opportunity is we're not pigeonholed into just being one thing. And so um, I, I love it, uh, even though it can be hard uh, yeah. from a marketing side. Yeah, you're right. You're like, you know, that's the one thing they teach you in marketing, right? It's like, what is your identity? You know, <laughs> yes. like go for that and, and start there and, and double down on that. And that's all you, you know, sell that. But it also makes things super interesting and every day is different for you guys, which is, which is, you know, I don't think you'll ever get tired of doing coming to work every day and see, oh, there's a new restaurant's opened up or here's a new hotel or a coffee shop. I mean, I love going to Bradford House. Like, their bakery is incredible. Oh, it is. Yeah. Also, just down the street from here, Hall's Bakery is, not Hall's, uh, Harvey Bakery is just mm-hmm. dangerously close to, to the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Um, but they do have a really good chicken salad sandwich. Uh, Every time I go to, to Harvey, it's like, oh, it's it's a weird time. It'll be like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's not meal time. Like, it won't be busy. And then I go and I'm like, it's packed, it's packed all, the time. all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, all right, two more things. It, so it's 4th of July weekend. It is. What is Oklahoma City doing 4th of July weekend? So we have uh, the Stars and Stripes Festival yeah. uh, on the river, um, which will be really fun. Uh, lots of different paddle sport activities, fireworks. Um, you have Red, White, and Boom at Scissor Tail Park with the Philharmonic will play. There'll be fireworks. Um, on 4th of July, uh, OKC Dodgers have a home game. They'll also have fireworks. So uh, I'm a big firework fan, as you can tell. Yeah. I feel like that's, very, you know, America. Um, so yeah, I think, again, no shortage of things to do. If you uh, aren't sure where to look, we have a, a July 4th page on Visit OKC's website, visitokc.com. Um, and package it all up there for you. And then last question, uh, what does the modern frontier mean to you? So the modern frontier, I think we embody it because we are resilient, we're innovative, and we're collaborative. And I think those are character qualities both of Oklahoma City, but also of myself that I can relate to. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, just depth to that. And, uh, you know, obviously we went through a lot of research and, and brand exercises and all of that. But I think ultimately uh, the Modern Frontier kind of captures both our, our rich history, but also the opportunity that lies ahead. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for spending um, 45 minutes with us sharing your story, telling us all about Visit Oklahoma City. Uh, for people listening, go to visitokc.com uh, and on the homepage, you will see everything you need to know, literally a tab for things to do, events, restaurants, places to stay. And then you'll be up about Oklahoma City, outdoor recreation this month in Oklahoma City, which is my favorite tab. Uh, local restaurants, second favorite, very close favorite. And then, you know, you've got family fun and, and summer guide. And that's just like, everything you need is right there. And, and you scroll down, you can see it all. But, you know, it's such a huge help and so clean and just go there and boom, what's in Oklahoma City this month, right? And okay, yeah, let's go to this, let's go to that. And um, it's a huge help. Uh, I really appreciate the work that you guys do. I know the team has been super hard at work, ready to host these 36 <laughs> riders that are coming in from all over the country. And, you know, I don't doubt that Oklahoma City is going to wow them. The food, like you mentioned, they're going to eat great food, go to great activations. 
they're going to get some killer sunsets out there. They might even get a storm. Who knows? <laughs> um, and they're going to have a great night's sleep somewhere in one of our awesome hotels. So appreciate you. Appreciate the team and all the hard work you do for bringing people into Oklahoma City and, and growing this city because um, with more people, it brings more outside businesses and, and more dollars. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like change, but if it's change in the good, um, you know, and it, it brings dollars and people spending money and that means that local businesses can also open a new, you know, a new business or whatever it is. So it benefits everybody. Um, I really appreciate you coming down and for people listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.